Hello, everybody, and welcome to Best Seat on the Couch, the podcast where the laws of physics don't apply to us as long as we believe in ourselves. My name is Alex. I'm Iris. I'm Marcus. And I'm Michael. And today we are talking about the anime mecha series Gurren Lagann. The series, produced by Gainax Studio and directed by Hiroyuki Imaishi, debuted in April 2007 and ran for 27 episodes. The story takes place in a future Earth where mankind has been forced to live underground. In the underground village of Jiha, two teenagers, Simon, an expert digger, and Kamina, his boisterous friend, try to reach the surface up above. But after the ceiling of their village collapses, sending an an enormous hostile mecha and Yoko, a surface-dwelling resistance fighter, into the center of the village, the two quickly learn of the dangers that lurk on the surface. Using a mecha called Logon, Simon and Kamina join the resistance fighters to fight against the enemy mechas and one day face down the spiral king who commands them. The anime has received widespread critical acclaim, receiving 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, and becoming one of the most popular anime in the mecha genre. Wait, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes? 100%, yeah. Oh, wow. Take a look. That's high praise. I mean, well. (laughs) Well, and as always, there will be spoilers. Now, being your friendly neighborhood weeb, I guess I should... Uh, talk about my history with this show in that I watched this show, I think, in seventh or eighth grade, about middle school, because uh, the show came out in 2007, and I waited around a year or two to make sure it was good before, make sure what I heard about it was good before diving into the show. And as a young seventh or eighth grader, I really liked this show. Uh, it was very different than the other anime that I watched. It was more action-packed. It was a lot more lighthearted in some bits and pretty serious in other bits as well. And I really enjoyed it as a kid. And I watched this one more time uh, recently for the podcast a couple weeks ago. And I have to say that on the second rewatch... There are things that I noticed uh, about this show that I guess I overlooked as a kid. Um, uh, We will definitely get into that. But, I mean, there's still a lot of things that I like about the show. But there are also a lot of things that I am less okay with uh, about this show. And we will definitely get into that. But for the rest of y'all, this was your first time watching Gurren Lagann. So, uh, I'd like to get a couple of of your first impressions about the series and uh, how far you guys were able to watch. Alright, I'll start. Uh, So, uh, I watched up until episode 15, which I guess is technically the conclusion of part 1, and there are two parts of this, one that goes to episode 16 and then part 2 from... 17 to 27. Um, so I do feel... I apologize, Alex. Uh, I am a little sheepish. I will end up finishing this, <laughs> I'm fairly sure. Because I did actually enjoy watching this quite a bit. Um, it uh, it reminds me a lot, kind of, of Kill a Kill. Which we may or may not discuss on this podcast. But uh, the same kind of wacky humor, and especially Kamina as, as a character, uh, drew me in quite a very early into the show. And kind of... Uh, well... 
I guess we're gonna get into a bunch of spoilers, so I'll just drop this right now. He fucking <laughs> dies in episode eight, and I was like, "Bro, really? You're telling me that this show killed its best character in episode eight of twenty seven? Um, <laughs> but it actually deals with his loss in a very kind of interesting way, and that kind of that thread uh, continues uh, through episode fifteen, and I assume through um, through the latter half of the uh, the show as well. So, yeah, overall, this is a very um, a very entertaining show. I'm I I was into Gundam as a kid. I guess I didn't watch the anime at all, but like just you know the toys or whatever were cool. So this kind of has that vibe. Um, it's just a lot of things that appeal to me in a tangential way that came together in a fairly entertaining show. Yeah. So I had heard the name Gurren Lagann before and i think i'd seen pictures of the actual mecca but never watched it until now um similarly to similarly to marcus i you know mostly like consumed the the first part the first half of the story although i think a little bit more sparsely i relate a lot more on the sort of catch-up episode uh to fill in the the gaps of kind of the less story critical episodes that i skipped um i'm not gonna lie Watching this show was kind of a chore for me um, for uh, a number of reasons that, you know, we're, we are going to get to. But at a certain point, it's just like, okay, there's more of this. And, like, it's the kind of show where I can totally see why, like, some folks enjoy it. And I think the certain, you know, if you don't, you know, if you take it at face value for just, you know, big robots punching each other, then, yeah, sure, it does that really well. But, you know, I, I don't think I am the kind of person that this, this anime was made for, is how I'll phrase it. I don't think it was written for, for people with, with my taste. Okay. So, as you may know, uh, Alex suggested this video for us, this, po- this topic, I mean, for the podcast. And he compiled a list of suggested episodes, as well as, like, these are the ones that are, like, most important to know in terms of, like, the story and themes. And, like, these ones are kind of more, like, in, in his opinion, sort of the best ones. I decided, for no reason other than I hate myself, I guess, um, <laughs> to watch all of the episodes. Okay? So. Thank you for your sacrifice, uh, Michael. Yeah. I'm watching it so that y'all don't have to. Um, <laughs> so, here's what, like, I... This was a roller coaster because I watched the first episode and I was like, okay, I watched the first six episodes and I'm like, this is the worst shit I have ever seen in my life. (laughs) I watched episode seven. The Mecca has a giant battleship for a dick. (laughs) And then I watched episode eight and I was like, okay, well. They were bold enough to kill his main, the main character, basically, right? And um, I was like, okay, let's see how they deal with this. Um, they managed to do some, some, some with it, right? Like, I, I wouldn't say like it was like the focus of the next part, but it definitely like impacted Simon, Simon. It's hard to say Simon and Simon. Um, <laughs> it definitely impacted Simon uh, a lot, and right. So I'm like, okay, well, I, I think that they like use that uh, in a good way. I watched up until episode 15 and I was like, okay, I'm, uh, I'm like not really hot on this show, but, uh, I decided for myself that I was going to watch everything 
Because I think that with y'all, I would have been like, okay, I think I'm done, right? That's because that's what happened with y'all. And then I watched episode 17, because 16 is a, is a recap episode. And I immediately texted Alex. I said, <laughs> and qu- this is a quote. I'm going to quote this right now. Let me open this shit. I said, Alex, I just watched episode 17. This is the biggest turnaround I've ever seen. This show does not deserve to be this good now. Okay. Oh no. Are you gonna are you about to sit in there? Are you about to sit there and invalidate every single point I planned to talk about coming into this? Because I had like a I am not I am not going to invalidate any problems you have with the first half of the show. Because I will have the exact same problems. But the second half of this show is so good. I don't understand. It has almost none of those problems, and yet it somehow, like, ascends itself to this level that is actually really good. I am so conflicted. And here's the problem. Because my problem is that you kind of, like, in my opinion, you kind of need to watch the first half of the show in order for the second half to be as good as it is. (laughs) <laughs> like I don't think the recap episode does it does the first half any justice nor reading the the summaries of the first half either. So this is my conclusion. Don't watch this show. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> wow, you just okay. went out and said that. Unless Damn. unless you're willing to sit through actual trash. If you're willing to sit through that trash, I think that this is probably the one of the best shows of all time. Okay, I have I have two immediate reactions. First of all, Alex, you never once, you never once told me that it gets better. You never told Excuse me. Excuse me. I totally I, did. I, I sure never Alex heard that. that. I was never told like the beginning sucks. Suffer through it, and it'll get good. Are I you ne- kidding me? I I've, had no idea. I, was... I had no idea there was light at the end of the tunnel. Are you kidding me? Because when I recommended this show, I specifically remember telling all three of you. The first half is not good. Wait till the second half. That was a month ago. We've done three other episodes since then. How do you expect me to remember that? (laughs) And see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, what you said right there is exactly right. I would even go further to say that the first half is almost completely unwatchable, except for the latter half of the first half. But... It's it it like as I said, it almost doesn't even deserve the second half. It completely doesn't deserve it. Like it's <laughs> it's it, it makes me angry that the the good part of the show comes after actual trash in the beginning. It's <laughs> okay. The the second thing, I, I just it raises an interesting point, and I'm not sure if we've brought this up on the podcast yet, but this keeps coming up in my, like, just day-to-day life when I talk about, you know, television and, you know, recommending TV specifically. Um, if anywhere, it might have come up in the Steven Universe episode, actually, which is, you know, like, when you recommend someone a show and you have, like, the knowledge of, oh, you know, like, the beginning is bad, but, like, just get through it and then it gets really good, right? I think there's a really fascinating discussion about just how like valid that is a thing to give in a recommendation that I haven't been able to answer that question. It keeps coming up for me and I'm really interested to talk about it with y'all when we get there. Yeah. 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 Uh, We will definitely talk about that. And I just want to put it on the record, say that I a hundred percent agree with uh, you, Michael and Iris as well. 
the, uh, that the first half of the show is complete trash. I feel so validated. I, oh my god. I was prepared no, no, to be I, the odd one out. I was prepared for y'all to like like challenge me on all of this. I was anxious <laughs> coming into this because I'm like, yeah. oh my god, I hated it. No, no, no. So, gonna... so this show is broken up into, I guess, four distinct arcs yeah. because... Uh, the 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 gimmick of like the show titles is they're a quote from a character uh, in that episode, and so for the first eight episodes they're from Kamina. Uh, for the uh, next up until episode fifteen, they're from Nia from uh, seventeen to twenty two. They're from Rossiu, and the last ones are all from Simon. So each of those arcs take place on like a story level arc they follow through until a major story beat and Kamina and Nia I 100% agree with you uh those episodes are are some of the worst anime that I've seen um I mean the episodes that I've I recommended that y'all skipped I watched was... the horror that was episode 6 <laughs> <laughs> you mean the episode that they literally could not air because it was too like rapey? Yeah, something, something. That sounds about right. Well, okay, episode four, the one I I recommended skip. Nothing happens in that episode. There's no progression at all. We just meet uh, Keton. Uh, that's it. And Kamina throws Simon around for a little bit. That's about it. Episode six is a fan service episode where again nothing happens, uh, and then. What's the latter one? Episode twelve. Yeah, is the, also be- another the beach episode? episode. Yeah, fuck. yeah. There's an obligatory beach episode. Oh, I didn't know there was a and... beach episode. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I I hate it because you need to watch these characters like change from how they were in the first episodes to how they are in the yeah. last episodes in order to I guess appreciate what this show is finally finally becomes at the end but yes i agree with y'all it's so bad in the beginning <laughs> this is making me pissed off just talking if, if anything this invalidates my opinion because i honestly thought what i had watched was <laughs> 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 okay hey hey marcus marcus it can only go up from here. That's though. what I'm saying. Because I'm you thought- fucking hype right now. I have gone through the trash, apparently, and now it gets better. It's going to well, get so much better. I'll, I'll, I'll say that I think that the, fr- the, first, the first half isn't, like, all trash. I think that there were mm-hmm. some good moments, particularly, again, as I said, how they kind of dealt with Kamina's death, um, as well as I like the finale of, of, of part one, the mm-hmm. uh, assault on Templin, right? Yeah, I, th- yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Otherwise, whatever. Also, Iris, yeah, there you are had some... mentioned that, like, this show was not intended for you. It was kind of intended for me. I wanted to see some fucking robots <laughs> kill each well, other. No, but here's the thing. I don't, like, in a vacuum have a problem with, the, you know, oh, it's just stupid stuff. And, you know, it's just really an excuse for a bunch of, like, action scenes. And, like, you know, they raise the stakes. And, it, you know, you're not really meant to take it seriously. Like, I brought Bofuri to this podcast, right? And that's what yeah. Bofuri is, yeah. right? It's, it's this same kind of conceit. I don't really know. Well, okay. I, I have some theories on, like, why I loved Bofuri and why I just hated the first half of this. But Oh, laid on us. Laid I mean, I us. think it's, it really mostly comes down to the characters, yeah. right? Because there are there is so little to like about the characters in the first half of this. 
right? I mean, Simon is is just this is a caricature of you know the wimpy little kid, right? Who who you know learns how to scream and be the protagonist, right? Kamina like. Also, if a toxic masculinity also, like, had a body. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Way to summarize it in just like one sentence. I mean, Yoko, talk about every you know misogynist stereotype about anime crammed into one yeah. fucking character, uh, and then you just have this whole like you know fucking Super Smash Bros. roster of like faceless <laughs> you know mecha pilots who have no personality and no impact on the story and literally don't do anything there's no one to root for you know i found myself rooting for viral a couple times damn just dude just, if you were rooting if you were rooting for viral you'll get your it, it I comes mean, I, i've read the half. summary i've read the summary okay. of the latter yeah. half um <laughs> so i do know that viral comes back as a as a protagonist yeah. But, like, it wasn't because I liked Viral. It's because I wanted Kamida to fucking shut the <laughs> fuck up. Holy shit. Yeah. I just, I did not like any of these characters. And then, and, and that made it not fun to watch them do ridiculous shit, right? <laughs> you have to be, like, for that kind of fun, you have to be having fun with them. And I was not here to be on any of those characters' sides about anything. I, I will say, uh, I... I, I do think my lizard brain liked the the big action of the first half, but yeah, if you if you really think about it, uh, there are there are a lot of bad things that happen in there, and we're we're definitely going to talk about it. I mean, but moment, like you said, the, Michael, the moment that the volcano fucking exploded because Simone <laughs> was upset about Kamina's death, I just like I threw up my hands. I'm like, that's it. I can't. I can't. I can't do this. <laughs> you didn't find that scene fucking hilarious? I did. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was. It was hilarious in a bad way, right? It was. It was. It was comical in a way that, like, not that it was taking itself seriously, but like. It was the kind of like funny bad that made me want to laugh at it, but it was a setup that you really need to be laughing with it. And they just it just didn't mesh in my brain. That's actually well, where well, to put it. Well, while we're on the topic of the first half of this this show, let's talk about uh, a specific moment that I think I think kind of cemented this anime in uh, the greater sphere of um, like whatever anime fandoms. Um, the let's talk about Kamina's death because you don't really see I, I I can't think of off the top of my head where a character is introduced aside from Game of Thrones. I mean, um, a character <laughs> is introduced at the beginning of the show as a quote unquote main character, and then is killed outright in like the first quarter of the show it certainly doesn't happen a lot in anime at least so i think gurren lagan is unique in that respect uh and i thought that they were going to do that with attack on titan and i was very <laughs> excited for that but then spoilers Aaron comes back um but yeah what did you think about kamiya's death and uh i guess episode eight in general so for me, as I said, uh, disregarding all the trash, I actually I liked Kamina's death because I think that they did it. I, like of all the parts of that first half, they did that part justice, in my opinion. Um, we had already gotten right the introduction of Viral a couple episodes back, and now he's come back. Right, 
And so there's this whole like um there's this whole grudge forming between Viral and Kamina because Kamina beat Viral and now Viral's kind of being like uh beaten down by the rest of the beastmen generals and he's like you're a failure you're a failure you're like you didn't kill a human like beastmen are supposed to be superior to humans and all that stuff and so when we have kamina's death um i think they did it they did it so that he okay okay this is what i'll say about kamina like what i just mentioned as kamina kind of being the embodiment of toxic masculinity i wholly agree with since i said it (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and at the same and at the same time like they you know there's you know there's the trope of like oh this dude's such like he like embodies all these like masculine characteristics but there's this like hint of like uh tenderness in him and stuff like that like when you get past his hard exterior he's got a soft heart yeah like they for me they didn't at least okay at least is the way i view it they kind of didn't go that route like obviously they begun the relationship between him and yoko and that kind of affected simon in that weird kind of way but for me kamina like for for all intents and purposes kamina's true love was simon all along um, <laughs> and i thought that that death allowed them to express that the sort of core and honestly part of the core of the show was their love right simone and Kamina's love and so they were fine they were able to like drudge up the actual good part of the show just for a second right and that's why i appreciated it a little bit yeah i'm gonna piggyback off that and say like i the only reason why I liked Kamina really is because he he is essentially a caricature of, you know, the manliness and all that stuff. And, like, it's funny to watch him say all this shit because anybody who did that in real life would be laughed into insanity pretty much. Like, this, this, guy, <laughs> this guy is more or less, like, ridiculous. But it's so endearing to watch, like, I'm going to just call him Simon because I speak American. Um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, you sure as hell do, buddy. <laughs> uh, it just... Watching, watching, like, Kamina say the shit, like, don't believe in yourself, believe in the me that believes in you, is so funny, and, like, so, it's it's simultaneously hilarious to hear, because it doesn't make any sense, but it's also really endearing. It, you can tell that Simon really, like, vibes with that. So, they, I, I could see it when, in episode 8, when they introduced the kind of Yoko, Kamina, kiss, and whatever, like, I think that's purely a plot device to get Simon to go ballistic once, you know, he dies. Yeah. Because... That, as you said, Michael, that's not the true, like, that's not a, they're not trying to put, like, a a romance triangle here and create a rift between Simon and Kamina. If anything, they're trying to show that, like, Simon is is very distraught, not about the fact that Yoko is being taken, but the fact that Kamina is being taken in, in that sense. So, like, honestly, when he died, I was like, oh. Because, you know, he, he dies, and then he gets back up and he's like, oh, you thought I was just sleeping? You know, what can a man do to get some sleep around here? Or something like that. And, you know, he, <laughs> he goes off, and they do the whole, you know, big drill shit, and it's all like, oh, wow, that's super cool. And then he dies, and he's just like, see you later, buddy. I'm like, oh, <laughs> well, I didn't actually think the show was going to do that. Um, and, you know, honestly, I think, Michael, as you said, there, there, are, little, there are little sparks of that. There, there's just, there's hints of how that event resonates in in future episodes that i think you know are good well done i think you know 
it's not all trash, I guess. Like, I think there's definitely parts of it that still are... mostly trash. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, you keep saying that, and I'm gonna keep being like, well, okay, let's chill. But I mean, it, it, yeah, there there's moments of that, and you know, obviously Simon, the way that they detail Simon's grief about it in those next couple episodes, I think is a little bit ham-fisted, like, like. Simon's a little bitch, and that's, like, a very like, <laughs> understated way to put it, pretty much. But, like, it's very clear that Kamina was a very strong presence in this show. And I I have to give the writers credit for killing him off, because, you know, killing off somebody who has that much sway over just how much, like, the audience is engaged with the show, that's a risky move. And, like, that could have gone very poorly, Maybe you guys still think it did go semi-poorly, depending on how you think they treated, you know, the episodes 8 through 16. I think, overall, for for the result that came out of it, it was the good decision to make, I guess, to develop Simon's character over everyone else. So, my stance overall is, I, first of all, I really do respect the choice to kill off Kamina, um, you know, because I think it would have been very easy to just have him, you know, because they, they, they have, like, you know, a strong, if not, like, a very good, necessarily, character dynamic set up, you know, pretty quickly. It's nothing groundbreaking, nothing super original, but it works. It works well. It's a trope for a reason. Uh, it would have been very easy to just let Kamina be Kamina, you know, more or less the whole show. And I do respect the choice to, you know, kill him and then, you know, sort of make kind of the recovery of it, you know, you know, recovery from the death, moving on, you know, grieving, etc., you know, have the place that it does in the narrative. And I wouldn't, I don't think it shows up quite as much uh, in, in part one as my sense is that it does in part two, you know, having read the summary, having heard, heard y'all speak about it. Um, but I do, th- my, my, my sense of it, and tell me if y'all agree, um, is it seems like, you know, especially in part two, the show kind of does become about, you know, Kamina's legacy and, you know, how how that continues to impact Simon, you know, moving forward. Um, I will say the execution of that actual episode where he dies kind of felt like it you know ran all the same pitfalls of like it's so ridiculous that i have to laugh at it but it wants to be either taken seriously or wants me to laugh along with it that just you know ended up falling flat on its face you know i already mentioned the moment that you know simon screams so loud that a volcano erupts like come on i still think that's really funny I mean, it's funny. It's funny in the abstract, right? You want to laugh at that because it's so ridiculous, but the episode does not want you to laugh at it. The episode is not... It doesn't feel like it's going for that kind of satire. Like, it genuinely wants you to be sad that Kamina died. It's just incongruous, right? It doesn't It doesn't fit together the way it should. Um, also, very briefly, just point, uh, 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 pointing us back to that moment where, you know, uh, Simon sees... Yoko and Kamina kiss and then runs back to the, the, the gunman and is like, you know, it's none of my business. It's none of my business. It's none of my business. Ah, and loses his fucking mind. Uh, Simon in modern day real life would absolutely be an incel. Hot take. Not, not very hot, honestly. I'll... So, um, I, I agree with you pretty much everything you said there. I wanted to add one more thing, which is that 
I think my enjoyment of his death is retroactive now that I'm thinking about it. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Because I think while it was happening, at least, okay, so at least in my opinion, when I watched the volcano thing, I wasn't like, that's like, that I didn't, like, I didn't vibe with that. For me, like, the volcano thing was, it was like, I guess I interpreted it kind of like Marcus interpreted it, where it's like, it's kind of ridiculous, like, that they would have that happen. And I think it's because the death felt not sad, but surprising at that moment. And then now when I look back on it, though, it does kind of feel sad because of the way that they transformed Kamina's legacy. As you said, um, a lot of the shit that they do, which I really love in the second season, is they take all of the ridiculous shit that Kamina says, like believe in the believe in the me that believes in you and like who the hell do you think i am i think they say that at least five times oh he grit, says that grit so your teeth. much grit your teeth um they take it and they spin it no pun intended <laughs> into into when the characters say those lines they're not they don't they they're not meaning it literally anymore the, all the subtext of those lines are now like, this is for Kamina. That's what they're saying with those lines. And for me also, I remember watching um, the first, in the first episode, literally the first scene is one of those like in Medias Res in the future thing where we see a bunch of characters on top of a giant spaceship and all the stars are exploding and they're like, oh, well, it looks like all of our enemies are the stars. And they says like, Good and log on spin on. Who the hell do you think we are, right? And obviously you see the flag of Die Gooden and all that stuff. And I think, in my opinion, not knowing the later episodes, we were supposed to assume that that was Kamina, right? But only later, mm -hmm. at least in the second season, do we realize that that is Simon speaking that. Saying the words. Saying Kamina's words. And so for me, the way that the show was able to transform Kamina's ridiculous bullshit into actual like <laughs> like like dedication to someone who they like really uh they connected with so well that's where i'm getting the sort of retroactive uh sadness mm -hmm. and and let's talk more about the second half of the show because uh, like we've all been saying, or at least m like Michael and I have been saying, <laughs> the, the second half of the show is where things get good. And it's where one of my favorite arcs of the show uh, takes place, a.k.a. Rossi's arc. Because what happens in the second half of the show is that Rossi, the uh, shy child that they rescued from this like dismal village that had to ration its food and only allow 50 people to live there, has become the advisor to Simon, who is like the head supreme uh, the, commander. Yeah, uh, of of uh, the city uh, that was based in Teplin, and Rossiu has to deal with uh, this like battle hardened Simon, who is only good for fighting robots, and has to guide him through this like bureaucratic process of running a new city, running new, a new civilization. And eventually, when Simon uh, gets to, I mean, basically to battle hungry, he 
locks him away in jail so that Rossiu can take over for him and try to save uh, the world from this new threat, the anti-spirals. And then there's there's this whole crazy dilemma of, like, again, is it good enough to preserve uh, a few people if you let a whole bunch of people die, if that means that humanity will still be able to live on? I just really love that whole uh, dynamic of those episodes we get to see within Rossiu's brain. And it ends with, uh, like you said, Marcus, there's a picture of the uh, 22nd episode where he like comes to that dilemma full force, where he's like contemplating taking his own life because of the decision he made in regards to like how many people do I need to save. Um, and And in the later episodes, we move from the... Uh, the post-Earth uh, seven years later arc to the space arc, which is just everything, the, the, the drills are turned up to 11, everyone's fighting in space, uh, we get to see a mecha pilot, a mecha pilot, a big, even bigger mecha inside <laughs> an even bigger giant mecha, and we get to the point where they're throwing like galaxies around at each other. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, and what, uh, just, just getting an idea of, from you, Michael, what were your thoughts in those last couple of episodes? So at the beginning of the, of the, the third arc, let's say Rossio's arc, like, as I said, I was already baffled that they were, okay. So here's what I'll say. I think that they like, they decided they were like, okay, we're going to take this shit seriously now. The 17 and 18 are mostly, um, I would say, mostly info dubs, right? Yeah, Especially 18, which is um, anti-spiral Nia and the disembodied head of Lord Genome plugged into a biocomputer. um, (laughs) Talking to Simon and uh, Rossi, respectively, about what the hell is going on, right? Um, And... For some reason, and I think this for it's hard for me to actually describe why I feel this way, but for some reason, that was some of the best shit I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> literally, the, the info dump. Because I think that it, it's kind of like it, it, it kind of felt like they were finally completing a puzzle that had been completely torn to shreds in the first ser- in the first half of the show. And yet they were able to sort of co- uh, condense it into something that actually made sense and something that was really creative, in my opinion. Yeah, um, it recontextualizes the yes, whole first arc. Exactly. Like, again, the... How do I say this? Well, we talked about twists, right, last time. Um, that this twist, in my opinion did things well because it recontextualized as you said everything that we just watched all the sh- all the trash um it recontextualized it not in a way that made it good far from it but <laughs> in a way that some of the m- things that you didn't notice made sense um yeah that's really all i have to say i think that at least that part of that arc was the most interesting to me i thought that rossio's arc was like, I, 
I appreciated what they did with Rossio, as well as the parallels with him kind of becoming like his own village's elder, where he's like, we can't have more than a million people now. It's just that the mm-hmm. number is different, right? It's 50 versus a million. And him doing like, like invading other people's underground villages and try to get an accurate count of when the when the million's going to happen. And ultimately, he's right, right? They lost track of the million. And they're like, oh shit, now we're at a million. Okay, we're fucked. But I think that that, that parallel was kind of the most interesting part of him. He, he kind of like fizzled out near the end and kind of right i mean like the last episode of his arc is literally just simon punching him in the face and saying like you you don't deserve to die because you can't you don't deserve to kill yourself because you you thought what you what you were doing was right for me the actual last part was my favorite bit but i'll, I'll let other people say some more things the more words you say the more and more upset at this show i get <laughs> <laughs> and the more and more upset I get that I burned out where I did. And I hate that what sounds like a really fucking cool and interesting experience was on the other side of this god awful slog. <laughs> and also, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if this is relevant to like why I had such a hard time with it, but uh, like the first four episodes that I watched was like the day after I got my first uh, COVID vaccine shot. I was feeling like shit. (laughs) I was like, great. I'm going to be in bed all day. I'm going to watch this show. It was just a bad time. And (laughs) it was a bad time all around. And I hate, I hate that. It's like, I I think that, okay. So I'm, 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 I'm good naturedly upset. (laughs) To, to add on to your frustration, sorry. Um, oh, you know, pile it on. That's that's what I'm here for. This is my role this well, episode. Okay, so first of all, I would say that I do not fault anyone who, after watching the first half, were like, if this continues in this way, I'm not going to watch this shit. Because there was no indication that it would do anything of the kind. Like, they were going on the straight and narrow, doing all the wrong shit, at least trying to do a coherent story, and, like, doing all this bullshit. So there's no indication that it would actually become good, yet it does. So I don't fault you whatsoever for, like, tapping out. Because, like, I would have tapped out, too, if it wasn't for my personal mission to hurt myself, I guess. By <laughs> to add on to that, what they did to the... Okay, again, sorry, Iris. They actually transformed the characters into adults, right? So Simon is, like, he's not an adult adult. He's, like, I want to say 18, maybe 18, 20. Um... The beginning of episode 17 is him proposing to Nia. <laughs> and it's really adorable. Nia has cuz if you don't if you don't know the backstory, but Nia is like she was uh the, Lord the Genome's, Lord Genome's yeah. daughter yeah. and like she wasn't she was like in the thing for the, her whole life. Um so she has no idea what she's doing. It's kind of in, it's like they do this weird thing where like she's like why like she doesn't know what getting married to someone is and so Simon's freaking out, but Simon also doesn't like he okay. There's this. There's this moment. I don't know if you remember this, Alex. But after Nia tells the other black siblings, because one of them also just had a is about to have a daughter, um, what that t- Nia tells her that like you rejected Simon. We cut to Simon. He's not distraught. He's not like crying or freaking out. He's like legitimately just content because he knows that Nia is like this. And then when Nia calls him, Nia is like. By the way, I really like the wing ring. I think I'll keep it. And then she just hangs up, and Simon's like, "Okay, yeah, we we got there. I think we are. I think she understands what I mean." And it moves forward. Like 
Simon doesn't feel like a kid. Rather, he feels like a leader who never wanted to be a leader, now thrust with this responsibility, which leads into Rossio's arc. So I, 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 yeah, I, I think it's good. You mean to tell me Simon actually becomes a likable and sympathetic character? I, yes. I think so, right? Do you, do you think so, Alex? Yes. Oh, and here, one, one I'm last so thing. so mad. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should do a recap a episode where yeah. we go finish Gurren Lagann and just have like a 10 minute mini episode oh. where we come back and reconvene I, and talk about I don't, it. I might be too mad to watch this. <laughs> I, I wouldn't fault you. I, like, I was mad too. I feel a little bad. I feel like a little bit hijacking sort of this whole discussion of just like, oh my god, it gets better. I can't believe it. The first half sucked. <laughs> but like, oh, okay. this is seriously putting me through the ringer. Like, oh my god. <laughs> I'm, I'm on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, by the way. I am so fucking hype. I have heard nothing but good things about what I'm about to watch. So oh, I Marcus. Have, <laughs> I am about to I'm so excited it. for you, Marcus. Come talk to me after you finish. Anyways. I actually have a question to pose to, the, to, to those of you who have watched the second half. Obviously, in the first couple of episodes of the first part, we get almost zero backstory of what's actually happened. No explanation for why, you know, humanity has been destroyed. No explanation why everybody has a giant fucking mecha. No explanation why <laughs> these beastmen exist. Like, and I'm going to, you know, I think, Michael, you had made this point earlier. You know, when you first see that, that ship in space, that kind of, you know, flash, not, well, flash forward, maybe. Yeah. Um, at the very beginning of the series, you know, you're expected to think that that's Kamida. And I, you know, I bought it. I thought that was Kamida 100%. And that's just another reason why I was like, huh? When they actually killed Kamida in episode <laughs> eight. Um, yeah. But my question is like, do the info dub episodes that you spoke about, Michael, 17 and 18, do they establish more of that world building that I think was severely lacking in the first part so that you can get invested in at least the setting of the show to the point where you're like, Oh, well, now that I have somewhat of a reason to understand why this has happened in this way, I can now see where these characters are going to develop in the setting that has been set, which definitely wasn't the case in the first, you know, couple episodes, which is like, we got these characters, we got these mechas, we're going to fuck shit up. Absolutely. Um, I think that most... So, okay, so there's kind of two vectors going on here. One is the disembodied head of Lord Gino and talking to, talking to Rossiu. He mm -hmm. is telling Rossiu all about why he did what he did, right? Why he's, he's human, by the way. Um, why he had to force all of the humans underground. Why he created the Beastmen and what the Beastmen are. Um, and what the, and what the uh, mechas are. Exactly. Um, I mean, should we just, we can just say it too if you want. Just, 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 just go for it. So yeah. the, the understanding is that basically a long time ago, I want to say like thousands of years ago. I'm not sure how long ago. Um, yeah, at least a thousand. There was because he's been sitting on that throne for a thousand yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. Right? There was a war in the universe between the anti-spirals and the spiral races. Okay, this doesn't just include humans; it includes all other races that live in spiral galaxies or have helical DNA, aka a spiral. Right? Um, there was this giant war. I know, Iris, and <laughs> the spiral races lost. Okay. What the, what the anti-spirals did to ensure that the spiral races never rose to power again because of the fact that they're afraid of them, I'll get into that in a bit, was they uh, forced all of them to limit their population to a specific threshold, right? Each race was slightly different. For, for humans, it was one million. And they installed these extermination devices around mm -hmm. their home planets such that if they ever went above that number, the system would kick in to 
try and exterminate them. And in this case, the moon is the extermination thing. They deorbit the moon and try and destroy all of humans. Okay? So what Lord Genome has was doing was basically he used to be a member of the spiral races, right? Because he was human. So he was trying to protect everyone to make sure that no one would actually like uh, rise up again so that they would all get exterminated. And he created the Beastmen as a way because because the Beastmen can't procreate. They're only able to make more of them via cloning because they don't have spiral DNA. So they don't have the power of the spiral races. And then parallel with that, Nia, who has secretly been a, a human implanted with anti-spiral DNA, is now basically saying the same shit. Uh, we installed the shit above your planet. We're gonna nuke you with your moon. And, <laughs> right? And um, and then she leaves. She basically is like, she fucks off. Um, <laughs> so, for me, it opened a lot of windows. Because I was like, I, before that, you're like, what the hell is going on? And then you only notice later, you're like, oh my god, all of their villages, I don't know if you noticed this, all of their villages are built in a spiral. Okay? Mm-hmm. Because, I, at least in my interpretation, Teplin, the giant city, kind of drilled them out. Or whatever. Um, there's this really strange sort of metaphorical uh, uh, motif going on of the spiral. It's not really a motif because it shows up literally everywhere. Yeah, yeah. That the spiral represents like human spirit or at least like ambition and perseverance. And that Progress. is legitimately what is powering the mechas. That is what gives them their power. And Simon... Okay, well, sure, that much at least I feel like was obvious in the right. first half. <laughs> but, like, but you know how... Okay, so you know how, like, Dragon Ball Z, where the... the the the, the Forget, what are the racists? Again, um... Saiyans. The Saiyans, right? They, they in, at least, you know, in the, in the anime, they get their power by screaming a lot and kind of charging their way up. <laughs> and they do it in a sort of nebulous way. They don't explain why that happens. They're just, like, it's their, it's their own kind of, like, inner soul, right? In this anime... They, like, they basically make it so that all of the bullshit that Dragon Ball Z does, like, is actually part of the magic system. <laughs> and... There's the words. There's the million dollars. There it is again. You just dropped the <laughs> magic system and, on this. And what it does, again, it completely recontextualizes the first half. Because now it's gone from a kind of soft magic system... To a hard magic system. You understand <laughs> the magic system now, so now you can solve problems with it. And it just starts to actually make sense. That's I'm all about to put my head through my desk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, and, yeah, I, I, the, the world building of the show is, yeah, like you said, Michael, just re, recontextualized in those first couple episodes in the second half. I also really like how uh, when they build their new cities, since they never had cars before, they make like walking cars because yeah. all they have are to base their technology off on, on mecha. are mechas. Yeah. And they have like buildings made out of old mechas. Uh, yeah, I really like those little details. Um, but before we cap off this show, I do want to talk about one thing that we have skipped over uh, and which also contributes to my sort of when I rewatch the show, how I didn't like, I definitely didn't like it as much as I did when I was a young lad, uh, is the fan service. And correct me if I'm wrong, but 
this is the first anime that we've talked about on this show that has like blatant in your face fan service because i don't think any other anime we've talked about that uh, talked about had it i mean in my hero academia it's there but it's like not in every episode right? i would say ordon had so fan service at moments i'll agree with you i think though that's no i agree <laughs> i mean i'm just gonna say it this is probably the first anime we discussed where like the fucking like titties and like just the over sexualization <laughs> yeah. of yoko is so incredibly in your face yeah uh, like that's probably this is probably the first thing like that was not present in Oran, i don't think yeah. No, not and, not to that extent. I mean, this is definitely one of the worst offenders, but like it, it I've brought it up so many times, right? This is certainly not the first time that we are talking about this exact same phenomenon in regards to anime, right? Mhm. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Yoko literally just exists as a vehicle for fan service because she does pretty much nothing in the show. I mean, she she shoots their gun and she gets them out of their village in the first place. But she doesn't do much in the first act and she does pretty much the equal amount in the second act. I mean, she does have her own episode about um, she, like, retires to become a school teacher. Uh, but we didn't know she had that dream in the first place. Uh, and she says she always wanted to, like, raise kids who didn't have a ceiling over her over their head uh first kids on the surface but again we've never we've never gotten that motivation from her and then when she rejoins the team she's just kind of there and is just a, more of a vehicle for fan service yeah it's it's not it's definitely my least favorite part of the show now that i've i've rewatched it and uh i don't know i don't know what we what what they could have changed about it i mean just giving her more of an integral part of the story for one but yeah um i think that so okay i'll start with the second half or the third and fourth arc actually well technically it's only in the fourth arc because it doesn't even show up um yeah but i think i agree with you that they they kind of like they kind of regress <laughs> to be like okay we need to we need to get more of this shit now because we we managed to get rid of all the other stuff um I will say that the, at least the proportion is much less. Like they, I think, I think I remember like twice. Maybe I was like, okay, they're doing the shit again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the first half is it is it's very like the anime is like stuck in its sort of like male gaze, right? <laughs> like we always see Yoko in these fucking ridiculous poses, and it's just you're like I. I don't need to see that, okay? Like, it's, they're just showing everything. Um, and I think that that's part... That's only part, right? I think that Yoko not doing anything is, like, less of an issue than her, like, blatant... Like, the like the inherent misogyny of what they just show on screen, right? I think if they removed that, I would be forgiven to say that at least, like... Like, I would be forgiven or, like, I could forgive Yoko not doing anything. Right, because I think that, in a sense, she doesn't necessarily drive plot forward, but she kind of acts as an anchor for some of the other characters in terms of bouncing off conversations and and feelings and stuff like that. But the other, like the actual visual aspect of it, is it's like actually the worst part of this show. 
part of it. I mean, I the the problem, right? The 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 issue around Hyoko not actually doing anything to contribute to the plot is not the fact that she's, you know, not relevant. It's the fact that she's like written specifically to do nothing to develop the plot. She is written yeah. specifically just to be there, to to be sexy and wear a bikini and, you know, thrust her boobs into Simon's face so that, you know, all the, you know, like teenage boys can, you know, like put themselves in the protagonist's shoes and, you know, get their kicks. Like, so I will, I will, I will share word for word, uh, or, you know, roughly word for word, uh, what I said to a friend, um, you know, earlier, earlier today when I was, uh, talking about, you know, this choice of, of show for, for, uh, discussion. And that was essentially, I am tired of anime shows getting brought to this podcast and watching a bunch of them and having to go on to talk about how, yeah, the show, you know, is really great and has interesting content and has good writing and has fun characterization and has, like, compelling narrative. Once you ignore all the misogyny and all the male gazy bullshit and all the hypersexualization of the female characters and all the, like, gross stuff about it, like, once you get past that, once you dig through it, it's great. There's really cool stuff underneath. I'm so tired of shows like that. And it's come up again and again and again. And, you know, at a certain point... You, at least for me, it starts to feel like that has to be the assumption when someone recommends me an anime. I have to assume going into it that I'm going to be watching something that's misogynistic. I'm going to have to assume that going into it, I'm going to watch something that uses its female characters as, you know, vehicles for the viewer's assumed, you know, sexual desire. And I have to assume that after I watch a certain amount of it, I'm going to feel sad and grossed out on a certain level doesn't mean that the writing's not great doesn't mean there's there's not a lot of incredible stuff happening underneath it in the show itself but like it is so exhausting to just do this again and again and again and have to keep doing the mental gymnastics of trying to enjoy the show behind all this you know yeah i mean you stole the words right out of my mouth iris like i come into these animes with the expectation and like we can say a number of things about, you know, cultural, you know... No, how there's, there's, yeah. there's, there's no amount of hand-waving about, you know, differences in American and Japanese culture. And right, right, right. I, like, I want to be clear. Like, I respect the fact... Okay, well, this is a, such, a, such a nothing sentence to say. I respect the fact that there are differences in culture. <laughs> but moving on from whatever that sentence was attempting to be, like, there is no amount of, like equivocating here that can make any of this not sexist as all hell right right and we've we've discussed that you know pretty much every single time which is this has come up which is almost every anime that we discussed and like i i have nothing more to contribute i guess aside from the fact that like it <laughs> as far as i know this really doesn't look like it's gonna stop it just seems like this is something that I suppose the target audience, which would be, you know, young, prepubescent teenage boys, really fucking wants in their animes. And, like, honestly, it like, we, we had discussed this with my, my hero, especially with Mineta, but, like, 
even the artists like even the artists and the creators they're all into this shit right like this is this they put this in because they enjoy it themselves that i feel like is just it's gross it really is yeah no i i will make a note because i think that this trend this fan service trend started with evangelion which was also produced by gainax which produced uh, and also a mecha show kind of yeah <laughs> and uh i mean it started with that and it's just been so ingrained in like what anime is because evangelion was such like a turning point in the history of anime because before that there were like uh what was it sailor moon and akira before that i mean they didn't have nearly as much fan service as shows that came after evangelion and yeah i unfortunately i do this is what i come into uh whenever i recommend an anime i have to try to gauge like how much of the show is like how much fan service is in the show and whether or not that will turn people off from it but yeah it's it's a troubling aspect that i i unfortunately think we're we're just going to have to expect from anime going forward um but uh, on that lovely note uh (laughs) I think we will end it there today. So that'll do it for us, folks. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. This week's uh, animated video that you can watch on YouTube is a music video, uh, just like last week, although it's not the Ultimate Showdown of Ultimate Destiny. It is uh, simply called The TV Show. Um, It is a Japanese music music video. Uh, It's pretty cool. Uh, not a lot of fan service in that one, <laughs> but uh, go ahead and watch it. And, Wait, so uh, it's a music again, video called The TV Show? It's called The TV Show. It's oh. actually the only TV show. Yeah, just, yeah. Just, there is no other TV show. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for listening, folks, uh, and you will hear from us next week. Bye-bye. Thank Goodbye. you. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>